Welcome back to the Brilliant Perspectives podcast. I'm your host, Jalen Bowden, here with you for another episode of Learning Powered by the Heart. Today, we're talking about the anatomy of a good old fight in the kingdom. Because, let's face it, so many of us have felt weak and powerless in the very places where God is most wanting to empower us to be more than conquerors. So if you've ever felt intimidated and bullied by the enemy, it's because there is simply a missing piece to your story. It's time to get equipped, my friends. And the good news is that the battle is already won. Our job is to align with God's intentions, to prosper under attack, and to walk confidently in victory. Now, without further ado, here's Graham Cook. began to be fascinated by the idea of what is a good fight and how can we win every time, no matter the odds against us. And out of that came a real fascination with majesty, with sovereignty, and, and the components of battle which are being victorious, overcoming, becoming more than a conqueror, and realizing there were different levels that God wants to commit us to in the never-ending process of us becoming like Him. You know, I think most of the time we are defeated because we cannot see the outcome before the battle. And it's really important. What makes a good fight is that you go in convinced that you're not going to lose. And so we need to see the outcome before we start the fight. There are three areas of our life that need to line up with the intentionality of the Lord. So what makes a good fight is when we have perception, mindset, and language all in line with God's intention. So the anatomy of preparation for us is, first of all, we need to see it the way that God sees it. Let me read you something from the Bible. Don't you love this book? This is the biggest and the best cheat sheet in the history of humanity. Yeah, everything you need to know about everything is somewhere in this book. And the Holy Spirit searches all things, including the deep things of God. So I love the Holy Spirit because he has a bigger search engine than Google. He's like Google to the power of 10 million. And he's our come alongside helper. He knows every scripture in this book, and he's brilliant at applying it in our lives. So 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9 and 10. <clears throat> Just as it's written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love Him. For to us God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. Perception is really vital. We need to be seeing what God has prepared for us in this issue. And and that's an important thing to do right off the bat. Yeah, the enemy sometimes comes at you hard and fast 
because he wants to get in your face, because he wants to get a reaction from you that's, ang- that's anxious, that's worried, that's panicked, that's fearful, that's agitated. He wants all of that because that's the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit. So, you know, God has his fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. The enemy has his fruit of his Spirit, which is anxiety, panic, fear, agitation, you know, resentment, bitterness, victim mentality. He has all that. That's all his adverse fruit of the Spirit. So he comes at us because he wants us to, to push us out of the place that God has put us in and put us in a place where we're agitated and we can't think straight. Tactic number one, intimidation. I mean, he uses it because it's a cheap budget item in hell. Intimidation. Because... You know, it worked for Goliath against Israel until David came along. He had corralled a whole bunch of warriors and fighters into cowing, you know, cowering in the, with the baggage and staying in camp, and no one coming out there to meet that challenge. Intimidation. Worship is our intimidation. What David brought to the enemy was intimacy. So here's the thing. What if your intimacy with God is the most intimidating thing about you where the enemy is concerned? This is where we must practice rejoicing and thanksgiving. Why? Because from that place, you can intimidate the enemy by not giving ground, by focusing on the Lord, by, by aligning yourself with majesty, and he doesn't know how to fight against that. He never has done. He's never been successful at it. Because he doesn't know how to do it. All his hope is to create in you an atmosphere that he knows how to control. But he can't control a person who's a worshiper. Because out of that place of worship, you have peace, you have faith, you have presence. And he doesn't know how to come against that. He never has known and he probably never will. See what God has prepared for you in this matter. The enemy wants you to have eyes on him and on the battle that he wants to fight. He intends to overwhelm you. Listen, the Lord intends to overwhelm you. So the issue is, who are you going to get overwhelmed by? That's why worship, thanksgiving, and praise, and rejoicing are so critical. Because we stay in the place of significance where we're being overwhelmed by who God is for us. And there's no fear in love. In that place of worship, the love of God is boundless. So God reveals His purpose through the indwelling Spirit so that we are not distracted by the enemy. Remember we said that warfare primarily is not about taking authority over the enemy. It's about discovering the sovereignty and the supremacy and the majesty of Jesus. Please don't allow yourself to be deflected from worship. God is seeking people to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Not looking for evangelists, not looking for prophets, likes all of that, but He's seeking people who engage with presence. That's what worshipers do. And so if you like, the chief part of your ministry 
really is about learning to minister to the Lord. Worship is what you were created for. Make it your primary purpose in life. Don't, don't make worship play second fiddle to ministry. Please don't. Let presence be the primary focus of your life. Don't allow what you cannot do to interfere with what God can do. That's why alignment in worship is so critical, because we get filled up with who He is. Here's some people who lost perspective in Numbers chapter 13. Remember we talked about the spies? Numbers 13, 31. Caleb tried to quiet the people and say, we should by all means go up and take possession of it. We will surely overcome it. There's an overcomer talking. Yeah, we can win this. Jesus makes you strong. He, he will strengthen you. His laughter will strengthen you. I love the way that Jesus laughs at the enemy. Like, seriously, that's just too funny. <laughs> and it's important for us. In worship, you hear stuff like that. Why? Because your heart's tuned. So here were guys who had no intimacy. So when they went out there, what the enemy was doing overwhelmed them and overcame them. And they came back and they gave this report. <clears throat> they said, we're not able to go up against the people. Numbers 13, 31. For they're too strong for us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land which they'd spied out, saying, the land through which we've gone in spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. Therefore, we also saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, a part of the Nephilim. They were just a race of giant guys. And we became like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. That's the language of someone who is utterly overwhelmed by the circumstances of life. Here's the thing we have to understand. If you are in Christ, so are all your circumstances. If you can't be separated from the love of God, then your circumstances cannot be separated from the power of God. So if you're in Christ, all your circumstances are in Christ too. That sounds like a good deal to me. And when we worship God, we remember key things like that. And we learn how to relax, how to rest, how to open ourselves up to majesty, and how just to let peace fill every part of us so there's no place for anxiety. What you see in the Spirit empowers or disempowers you. Eye has not seen. You've not seen yet what God has really prepared for you in terms of your life. Worship will help you to see that stuff. Rejoicing and thanksgiving, having that place within you that your first response is always to rejoice and give thanks. Count everything as joy because in that place, revelation can come to you in the moment. And God will start talking to you about your life, about your circumstances, and you get to see it the way He does, and then we can be properly astonished 
in our circumstances. I like that. The enemy wants to give you a vision of yourself as helpless and hopelessly inadequate. That's never going to be true because you're in Jesus, right? God is making you like Him, so God wants to give you a vision of yourself where you see yourself exactly like Jesus because you're in Him and He's in you. That's why when Caleb spoke in Numbers 14, 7-9, he spoke from a place of majesty. He saw nothing to be worried about out there. The Lord is with us. Do not fear them. They shall be our prey. He had a different perspective on the situation. A crisis attracts the power and the strength of God. No point in seeing anything any other way. Thank you for this. So what the enemy is doing attracts the presence of God. So, so it's like the Lord is saying, you're under attack. We're coming. We're here. We're going to fill you up so that you overwhelm what's coming against you. What's the promise? The promise is the battle is not ours to win. The battle's already been won. You can establish that victory or you can walk away from it. But the battle has already been won. So right now the issue is it's won if you want it to be won. But if you really want to lose this thing, you're going to have to work hard to lose it. You have to work harder to lose a fight than you do to win it, than you do to establish that victory in your life. Colossians 2.15 says, The enemy has been disarmed. Bomb squad's been and they've disarmed him. They've turned that thing off. There is no exploding device. In 2 Chronicles 20, verse 15, that's what they were speaking when they were faced with absolute annihilation. And they're there, all of them together with their wives and their children, and they're praying. And the prophet prophesies, and he, be, and he begins to say, the battle is the Lord's. Stand still. You won't need to fight in this battle. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And then he pinpoints where the enemy is working. You read 2 Chronicles 20. It's a brilliant devotional story about warfare. Because if you can't be devotional with God on a battlefield, I don't know where you can. It seems to me that a battlefield is exactly the place where you should get into worship because that's where it means the most. We are an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. So my, my issue is I have so many issues in warfare, you know. Thankfully, hey, God only chooses people with issues. We just got to make sure that we have the right issues, Yeah. And so I have several issues in warfare. I mean, for me, warfare is not, mostly it's not personal. It's mostly territorial. And it's mostly, too, about prosperity. It's about prospering. You know, in the world, the perceived wisdom is this. If you're going through hell, move quickly. <laughs> right? In the kingdom, Jesus is the example. He's the only one who went into hell and came out with more than he went in with. He went in with a load of rubbish, all the sins of humanity. He dumped it. 
He stayed three days just to wind up the enemy. And then when it was time, he came out and he took captivity with him. He, went, he came out of hell with more than he went in with. So he prospered in difficult circumstances. And I think that's what an overcomer does. When you're learning victory, you're learning how to stand. You're learning how to not get defeated. You're learning how to press in. You're learning how not to be overcome or worried or anxious. That's what victory level means. You're not defeated. Overcoming level means that you learn how to prosper when the enemy comes against you. Because what if God wants to give you something in that moment? What if he wants to give you a piece of territory? You know, all of us, if we're called to serve the Lord, there's a piece of territory out there. It's got your name on it. And usually it's in times of warfare when you learn how to be a stakeholder in the kingdom. This is my territory. This is my land. Or as the guy said in Braveheart, this is my island. <laughs> Stole the show. This is my island. But he knew what he was fighting for. You have to know what you're fighting for. What are you called to? You have to learn how to hold on to that. Why? Because it's yours. And you're a stakeholder. That means you can't abandon that territory. It belongs to you. But it's about learning. It's not about surviving. It's about prospering when the enemy comes along. It's about making him pay. Sometimes I think we're more concerned with surviving the conflict than we are about prospering from it. If I'm going to fight the enemy big time, I want something out of it. I want some territory. I want to establish my territory more and more. I want to know what God wants to give me in that conflict. Because I want the enemy to pay. It's not enough to beat him. I want to rub his face in it. I want to stand on his head. I want to put my foot on his neck and say to him, this is what you get for attacking me. 